This is Joel Johnson, Senior Minister at Parkview Christian Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermons online. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email at joeljohnson at parkviewfinley.org. Well, we continue our sermon series today, uh, Hope for the Holidays, and we've been evaluating a hope that's present in the story of the birth of Jesus. We continue to do that today as we look at the lives of the, the shepherds who were involved in the story. A group of men that you know, it's it's kind of hard for us today to to really understand their their perspective. There's not a lot in my life that, that really equates to that that kind of of care involved for a, a herd of animals, flock of of sheep. Uh, these these men who would who would spend nights among the animals, protecting them from dangers, from predators, who gave of themselves. The sheep just depended on them for survival of, of finding. Food to eat, water to drink. I think maybe the, the clearest uh, connection I have is my, my years in youth ministry, corralling uh, groups of teenagers and preteens, <laughs> counting, making sure they're all there, knowing, uh, taking responsibility for a group of, of young people who very rarely took responsibility for themselves. You, know, you, get, you get accustomed to uh, hurting a group of young people, and uh, you begin with just head counts, quick head counts all the time, making sure you have the right number of people in the right place at the right time. But, but head counts can be deceptive. It's the home alone effect. You count heads and you've got the stray kid that wanders down the street looking through the luggage, asking questions about gas mileage of the, the 15 passenger vans. And then before you know it, you've got a, a kid that you didn't expect to have and a kid that's missing. After you, you get accustomed to the, to the numbers game of constantly counting heads, then you get, you get to know the students and you see that they kind of cluster in natural groups. You got four here, and two there, and three there. There's, there's friends that always seem to be together, and you can identify faces that are supposed to be together in the right place at the right time, and, and you can identify when one of those faces uh, is missing, or you can just ask the groups of people, is anybody not in your group that's supposed to be? Okay, well, let's, let's find that kid. Usually in every youth group, there's one kid that, that always seems to kind of get distracted by something shiny and wander off, and every time you go somewhere, you have to ask, where's Tim? Is he in the van? Is he not in the van? Is he still in the bathroom? Is he, did he wander off and become part of another group somewhere? Where, where, what's happening? And, and, you know, his parents are always very, very concerned if you come home without him. So it's important to make sure that, that you've got everybody on the way back. But the shepherds we read about in the story of the birth of Jesus, we're, we're out in the fields focused on the, the task at hand, guarding their sheep. In the, in the darkness of night, Vigilant, watching, prepared. And in the midst of that came this invitation from the angel. Let's begin reading together in Luke chapter 2, and uh, verse 1. If you have a Bible and you want to read along with me, please do so. The words will be on the screen. If you want to use the YouVersion app, uh, like we said before, just open up the app, search under events for Parkview Finley, and you can follow along in our, the YouVersion app with sermon notes and scripture there as well. In those days... Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, 
The time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. We have here in the book of Luke an account of the birth of Jesus that took place among everyday ordinary people. That took place in this small town outside of Jerusalem. And a significant moment in history, this, this miraculous moment that God provided to the world took place among ordinary people. Think of Mary and Joseph as a young couple. They wouldn't have considered themselves to be extraordinary before the angel appeared to each of them and called them to respond. They probably looked at themselves as average people of the nation of Israel, part of the certain tribe, no one else seeming to think that they would stand out for any other reason, and yet they were selected for this incredible moment and invited to participate. Even after they heard the news from the angel, continued on as if they were just a couple expecting a child. There was nothing outlandish about them, no sudden change of status. Notice that when this decree went out, Joseph didn't say, well, well, hold on. I know you're taking a census and you're, you're demanding everyone return to their hometown to be counted, but in case you didn't know, she's carrying the Messiah, the Son of God, in her womb. We, you can just count us from here. We're, we're not going to travel anywhere. We just make sure everything's safe. and fine. No, he didn't, he didn't claim any authority that didn't belong to him. He followed. He went and took Mary with him to care for her where they were instructed to go. They arrive in Bethlehem for the census. It's not their home, the ancestral place, the, the place where the line of David resided and that all of the people of that tribe were required to go back to that place, the place where they would have owned land. And yet there aren't close relatives that took Mary and Joseph in. They traveled all this way to this small town and no one was there to care for them, take them in. They found a stable to spend the night. There was no room available for them. And Luke immediately just kind of changes the subject, suddenly pointing us out into the fields. There were shepherds out in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night. Just everyday, ordinary shepherds. And yet they were, they were there when Mary and Joseph arrived and gave birth to Jesus. Think about all the other people who would have been present in Bethlehem. Yeah, there's shepherds out in the field. There's probably farmers staying in their homes, fields of crops around them. There's merchants in town with booths in the marketplace where they would sell their goods. There were officials. There were, there were families. There were, there were people all around, townspeople, who were unaware of the fact that Mary and Joseph had come into their town, that Jesus was going to be born in their midst, unaware that this miraculous thing was happening. I try to imagine what that would be like. If, if Mary and Joseph were to drive into Finley, look around at all the, the hotels, no vacancy, nowhere to go, what, what do we do? You know what that's like when you try and find a hotel room, there's a, a baseball tournament going on, there's nowhere to stay, what do you do? We found a, a hotel lobby with couches and just sleep there. It's, it's the kind of thing, we would, we, we have no idea that they were even in town. No, no clue at all that something miraculous was happening. The people of Bethlehem were unaware that this couple had traveled and that God was going to bring about the birth of the Messiah. 
just a few buildings away. God was doing the miraculous in the midst of the ordinary. That's the way God works in, in the world. That's the way God works in our lives and through our lives. He does the miraculous in the midst of the ordinary. He chooses to use people to accomplish his will. People with no qualifier. People. Everyday people. Average people. Not the overly wealthy. Not the famous. Not those with authority. God uses people. He calls us into his service, inviting us to be a part of his will and his way. All of us. Each of us. That's, the, that's part of the difficulty of responding to God. Sometimes we, we think about what God is calling us to do, how God is calling us to, to participate in his will, and we think, well, well, why me? There's nothing special about me. I'm not a televangelist. I'm not a national crowd. I'm not, I'm not a missionary. I'm not a full-time minister. Why, why would God choose you? Why would God choose me? Sometimes we feel unprepared for what God is inviting us to do. Sometimes we, we to be honest, just feel unworthy. Why? There's nothing significant, nothing special. Why would God choose to work in this way? He does. He uses people. He uses everyday, ordinary events, the the mundane details of our lives. God intervenes and does the miraculous in the midst of those things that are happening if we're open, if we're willing, if we're faithful. He takes these moments to capture our attention, to bring bring people into our lives with with real needs, people people who, who need hope, who need comfort, who need to feel loved, who, who need to hear about Jesus. And those things happen in the midst of our busy schedules. When, when we're in the middle of a grocery store, we walk up to someone and, and begin a conversation. And that conversation, we discover that that person that we've just said hello to needs to be heard. They need to pour out all the difficult things that they've been dealing with. They need to be ministered to. They need to be encouraged. They need to be cared for. And we find ourselves, just us, regular people, on a grocery trip, a regular mundane event, invited by God to participate in His will, in the work that He's calling us to. Maybe at work, you you walk through the, the hallway and you say, hey, how are you doing? And someone says, you know, things have been really, really rough. And you find yourself with this moment that God has placed in your life, a moment where you can respond and be faithful to who he's calling you to be, to care for another person, to meet them in the midst of their difficulty. These these moments happen not because we're we're really adept at at identifying people with needs, that we're really great at engaging people and helping. No, it's what God is doing in our lives, in the midst of our busy schedules, that, that he would invite us to break free from the monotony, to break free from the commitment, to break free from our obedience to the schedule and instead be obedient to him and to what he's calling us to do. Just like the shepherds were in the fields at night watching over their flocks, God intervened with this miraculous moment. In verse 9 we read, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, the shepherds, minding their own business, were invited to participate in this incredible event. They were invited to participate in the celebration of the birth of Jesus. They were invited 
to be a part of what God was doing in the world around them. And the shepherds were unlikely participants in this story. Let's be honest. They are unlikely participants. They are used to being on the outskirts of society. They're used to, be, to being held at arm's length. Why is that? Well, because they're, they're men of the outdoors. They're, they're rugged. They're rough. They're capable. They're used to facing down predators, protecting their sheep, ready for anything to happen. And with that goes the sort of wariness that people have. There's also a reputation that goes with being a shepherd. Those shepherds from the past who, because things were tight, chose to steal and, and take from other people to, to survive. And because some shepherds did that, all shepherds now deal with that reputation of being thieves. And people say, oh, you're a shepherd. I'm going to make sure I've got everything I'm supposed to. Yeah, you stay over there. That's just the way that they were viewed by society. Not only that, there was a bit of an aroma that goes with being a shepherd. Being outdoors, you've been outside working, the wind and the soil, and you come inside and people go, oh, you've been working outside, haven't you? You can tell. Add to that days, weeks on end of sleeping under the stars, smell of campfire smoke, roll that all together, and then add the scent of wool and lanolin, like that natural oil that comes from sheep, not to mention all the things that the sheep eat. The things going in, things coming out. Shepherds had this distinct aroma that people went, yeah, if you want to have a conversation, you stay there, and I'll keep talking from over here. That's just the way people viewed them, the way they were held at bay in terms of society. And yet they're the people that the angels appeared to. They are the people that the angels invited to be a part of what God was doing in the world around them, giving a sign, indicating to them who the Messiah would be, where they could find him. If you could choose people to be a part of this story, who would you choose? If you, if you were making a decision about the people to be remembered in history, present in the nativity, would you have gone out in the field and picked the shepherds? Come on, I want, I want you to be a part of this. No. We probably would have selected the, the Jewish leaders, the people who, who were responsible for the, the spiritual lives of the people of Israel. Come and, come and see the Messiah. Validate for the people. Present him before the people. Let them see you saying, this is the Messiah we've been waiting for. This is the fulfillment of prophecy. It's Jesus, the Son of God. That's probably who I would have selected. Maybe you would have looked for someone in authority, a governor, to come and be present at this birth, to put your seal of authority on it. This is. Let's celebrate. Let's make a holiday out of this. But God had different things in mind. He chose to send the angels out into the field to a group of people who aren't usually in the spotlight. And his glory shone all around them, capturing their attention, pulling them into the story. Providing them with a sign. Notice the shepherds didn't ask for a sign. The angel said, I, I give you good news. There will be joy for all people. And here's the sign, a baby. You'll, you will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Shepherds saw the angels. They didn't need a sign. Okay. But notice how different that is from earlier when the, the angel appeared to Zechariah. A priest serving in the temple, an angel appeared and said, you and your wife are going to have a baby? You're going to name him Johnny? He went, no, we're way too old. I don't believe it. You need to give me a sign. Someone who was used to serving the Lord asked the angel for a sign. But these shepherds out in the field, they needed no other sign. The angels appeared and they were in awe. They were terrified. They said, you're going to find a baby wrapped in claws lying in a manger. That one is the Messiah, the Lord our Savior. And they said, okay, let's go find him. They needed no other invitation. It was the hope present in their lives. Hope present in the lives of men 
who are living without hope. Let's be honest. They were, they were living in an existence in the absence of hope, most likely. And that's what I want to talk about today. Last week we talked about hopelessness in terms of despair. The, the situations in life where we, we recognize that crushing failure, that, that uncertainty of where we look to next, where we turn to next because there is no alternative. And, and we, we've all felt that, that debilitating, relentless pain that, that causes us to, to, to feel hopeless. That was last week. This week we want to talk about the absence of hope, about what it is to live life in a state of hopelessness, recognizing I am who I am and I'm always going to be this way, of shepherds who grew up trained to care for sheep, knowing this is going to be my life. I'm going to be an outcast. People aren't going to welcome me readily into their homes. I'm not ever going to be promoted. There's no head shepherd to be kept. No, they're, they're shepherds. They're in the fields. They're going to care for sheep. And that's all they will ever know. This is the life. There's no hope for greater things. This is it. And they commit themselves wholeheartedly to it, protecting the sheep, guarding the sheep, sleeping in the entrance to the pen so none of the sheep can get out, guarding them from predators, caring for them in all circumstances. They are committed, focused, pragmatic. And sometimes when we get to that place, we find ourselves living without hope, without looking forward, without thinking about what might be focused on here and now. Notice what hope did for the shepherds. He gave them value. The angels appeared and said, here's the message for you. You will go and find the child. And they were valued in a way they had not been valued. When they were used to being excluded, they were now included in this moment, this incredible event. They were counted worthy to witness the birth of the Messiah, counted worthy to belong to the story. They were given value like they'd never had before. They were given purpose. The angel didn't say, the Messiah is born, there's a baby somewhere. They said, no, the, the Messiah is born and you will find him wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And the shepherds took that as directions, instructions to go and find Jesus. They were given a purpose and they were entrusted with a message of hope, a message of joy, a message that should be heard by all people. It's not something they could keep to themselves. They recognized the role they had been given in carrying this message to those people. And notice how God is reminding us of the, the role of shepherds in his story. You think backwards in history about the great king of Israel, David. He was a shepherd in his youth. That's where the prophet found him, anointed him to become king. And as king, he was known as the shepherd of the people of Israel. With these shepherds present at his birth would become the good shepherd caring for his people. And as he instructed his disciples through the establishment of the church, that, that title would continue for those who take responsibility for the church. And shepherds are called, elders are called shepherds, caring for the flock, continually taking responsibility for the people entrusted to their care. Shepherds help us understand what hope brings to us. When we get to a place where we're living without hope. Sometimes we get to that place because we're also being very pragmatic about life. We're dealing with the difficulties that come. We're focused on the task at hand. When we're done with that task, we move on to the next one. 
And if there's difficulty, if there's a problem, we find a solution to that problem. We move on to the next thing and we focus so intently on what's happening here and now. We're not looking forward. We're not thinking about what's coming. We're just dealing with day in and day out the, the, the things that need to be done. And we work hard, we go to bed tired, and we wake up and start over again the next day. And real, without realizing it, we begin living without a sense of hope. Sometimes we get so entrenched in a rut that we can't see beyond the here and now. Instead of looking for a light at the end of the tunnel, all we see is tunnel, just more things to do, more, more difficulty to face. Sometimes we find ourselves without hope because we feel like there's no future for improvement, no hope for advancement, no hope for promotion. It is what it is. Maybe it's financial reason that you are in this place of hopelessness, that you're in so much debt, that you're, you're living week to week, month to month, making payments, hoping years from now maybe you'll get out from under it, but knowing this is just the way life is right now. Or maybe you're struggling month to month just to keep your, your checkbook in the black so you won't go into debt. Sometimes we find ourselves in this place, not because we but just the way we've ever thing that we can hope for. So we begin living without hope. But we recognize the, the value of what Christ brings to us when we hear the story of the joy and hope that that intervenes in the midst of that hopelessness. See, what he's calling us to do, shining a light into the darkness of those moments, helping us see the end of the tunnel. And we recognize the hope that can be found in Christ alone, a hope that meets us and calls us to belong to him no matter what we feel about ourselves, no matter if we feel unworthy, no matter if we, we don't see value in ourselves, no matter if we don't, we don't understand how we can serve him, we're given hope that we can if we continue to be faithful and continue to follow. He'll lead us and guide us and direct us and bring out of us a joy that we never recognized before because of the hope we find in Christ. Here's what happened with the, the shepherds as they stepped into that. In verse 13, we continue. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The shepherds were given a message of hope to share with all the people. As they answered the instructions of the angel, as they followed this, this message of hope and this opportunity to share, and it inspired the shepherds to action. Inspired them to understand the purpose that God had for them, the value that they had been given by being entrusted with this message, by being invited into this process. And they went, and they found Mary and Joseph. They found this baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger, and they told Mary about their experience. They told her about the angels that had appeared to them and told them about the Messiah that they would find. 
And Mary treasured these things and pondered them in her heart. Can you imagine what, what this news would have done to Mary? How this, this message from the shepherds would have encouraged her as a mother. I remember what it was like waiting for our, our first child to be born. The, those moments, even right after the birth, those moments of fear, uh, of doubt, of wonder. What, what are we doing? Is this the, is this the right thing? How are we going to be parents? How, how are we going to help to raise this child the right way? What, uh, do we have what it takes? Can we do? Can you imagine what Mary was feeling in those moments? Not having, not having seen the angel since nine months ago when, when that angel called her to, to carry Jesus, the Son of God. It's been more than nine months now, and, and now Jesus has been born. I wonder if she was, she was wondering about how to accomplish, how to raise this child. And when the, the shepherds arrived, saying, the angels appeared to us, they told us to come and see you, and that this child, the Messiah, would be born. The affirmation, the encouragement that would have come, knowing that this message answered the fear that she had, the doubt, the questions. Any insecurities that she might have felt would have been resolved through this encouraging message from the shepherds. They didn't stop at encouraging Mary. They, they found every person along the way that they could talk to. And they stopped them and told them about the incredible thing that God was doing. The, the angels that appeared, the, 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 the significance of this child that was born. The Messiah we've been waiting for is here. And as they went through town, they made no distinction about who they spoke to because the shepherds viewed every person that they encountered as worthy of hearing this message. Now, maybe that's because the shepherds themselves were used to be counting as unworthy. But they were uniquely suited to engage with every person that they encountered to bring to them the joy that they found in this message of hope. It'd be like going to the, to, the, to the hardware store with my dad. As a kid, we would walk down, down the street. There was a little, a little shopping center at the end of our block. There was a hardware store. And when we would go, he, he would go for a specific need. And he would find a clerk and say, hey, I'm looking for this part. Find the part. And then he would talk to that, that man who helped him find a part for a half hour. And as a kid, I would stand there in amazement at my dad talking to this man he'd never met before. And we'd walk around the aisle, and he'd, he'd run into a, another person there shopping and start a conversation and spend another half hour. I'm like, how do you know that guy? I don't, I've never met him before. I just wanted to say hello. What were you talking about? It's a unique skill. It's something I, I admire about my father. He can talk to anybody at any time. Maybe you have somebody in your family like this, and you know what it is to stop and talk. Everywhere you go, all the time, just stopping and talking. That's, that's the shepherds who had this message. They were, they were stopping everybody they encountered. Hey, guess what? Here is this incredible thing that I want to share with you. Here's this, this, this message of hope and joy about Jesus, the Messiah who was born. And I think you need to hear about it from me. And the people they talked to were amazed at what they heard. They were changed by what they heard. They were interested in what the shepherds were talking about. And the last thing we learned from the shepherds is that as they went back, they praised God for everything that was, had happened, that was happening. All those things they praised God for. 
that God was using them, that the Messiah had come, that there was hope and joy in the world, that they had been awakened to out of the ordinary details of their lives. That's what we find in the presence of Christ, a hope that can be found nowhere else, a joy that is for all people. And when we accept that, we have an opportunity to share that hope and joy. And we have this example from the shepherds that we would count everybody that we see as worthy of hearing about the message of Jesus Christ. That we would discount no one because they're, they're wealthy or because they're our boss or because they're in authority in town or because they're beneath us. That we would look at every person we encounter and recognize the value that they have, the, the worth that they have in hearing about the hope and joy that can only be found in Jesus Christ. Can you imagine what our lives would be like if we lived like these shepherds, encountering every person and choosing to stop and share with them the good news? What joy there would be in our existence Awakened from the, the, the busyness, awakened from the monotony, awakened from the hopelessness, if we lived for this hope, if we carried it with us and, and changed the lives of people as we allowed God to work through us in these everyday moments that came up, there would be a reason for us to praise God all the time, everywhere that we went, to be filled with this joy and to acknowledge how God was working in the world around us, working in our midst. And that's what we're called to do. And that's, the, that's what I want to call you to this morning. That if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that you would step into that hope and joy that can only be found in Him. That you would accept Him as your Lord and Savior and receive from Him grace. That you would repent of your sins, be baptized in His name. That you would, you would understand the value that you have in His eyes. And as you live in that value, that you would take hold of this message that has been entrusted to you, this message of hope and joy, and that you, in turn, would recognize the value that every person has in your life and the need that they have to be changed by this message and begin living in the joy of being a part of that change. 